Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello and welcome to the show. Today, we've got Stacy Rossetti with us. She is a real estate investor, a coach, and a public speaker. She's known for teaching others about building passive wealth through creative deal structuring in real estate. Um, she's also a published author, coach, et cetera. I mentioned that, but without further ado, Stacy, welcome. How are you? Hi. Yes. Thank you very much for letting me come hang out with you today. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for, for jumping on. We're going to talk today a little bit about self-storage, which is a little bit of a departure maybe for our audience. We talk a lot about multifamily, but um, I, you know, I've long seen friends and other operators in the self-storage game. Inherently, it just kind of makes sense to me. Seems like apartments without a lot of the uh, moving pieces, for lack of a better term. But first of all, before we get into all that, I'd like to learn how you got into real estate, you know, in general. I mean, was this something that you grew up with? Was there a, a big aha shift moment? How, how, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so I started, I actually got into real estate investing because uh, my husband started a home inspection company. Okay. Uh, about, about maybe 15 years ago. And, um, and he came in right at like, I think 2009, 2000, like right at the beginning of 2009, which is when like all the foreclosures were out there. Oh yeah. And, or I think it was like 2000, you know, 2008, 2009, all the foreclosures were out there. And he just kept telling me, he's like, I'm just, I'm just finding so many dumpy houses out there. We should really consider like maybe trying to buy a couple of these and like hold them or flip them or whatever. So it was really him that kind of, uh, that kind of got me into it. And uh, so we started, yeah, we, we got into, so what happened was um, we got into like uh, wholesaling and rehabbing. So when I first got into the, I got into real estate, it was like right around 2000, maybe 10, like 11, 2011, maybe. And, um, and so uh, like, I just basically was like, okay, well, I don't know what I, you know, I don't really have no idea what I'm doing. So let's just get out there and try to find something. And, um, and the first property that we came across uh, was, a, was a wholesale deal. And we just, we figured out how to wholesale that and did that. And then we, and then the second property that we did was a, um, a rehab. And then I started really, I really liked doing the rehabs. It's like kind of my, my personality. If you, if you, once you get to know me, my personality is all about like um, fixing up like dumpy places. Right. And this is what led, this is what led me into self-storage investing as well, too. So you'll, you'll hear about that, but essentially we just, I became actually like one of those people that was doing like 15 rehabs at a time. Yes. Yes. It was like crazy. Like, and, and um, actually I don't recommend that really to a lot of people. <laughs> Neither do I. Neither do uh, I. I don't, yeah, I don't market? It. It's too much work. And so yep. what happened was um, I actually, what happened is five years into doing that, I got pregnant. And so I have a, I have a daughter, her name's Lillian and actually the name, our storage facilities are called Miss Lillian self-storage. Nice. There you go. So they're all named for her and they're actually for her. My husband and I decided that like, it's all just for her. Like when she gets old, older, she's gonna, we're going to be like, here you go. And there you go. Yep. We take her there already to the storage facilities. And she's like, I'm bored. Can I watch Peppa Pig? You know? Uh, but, um, but yeah, so we did the re we did the rehabbing. And then what happened is I got pregnant 
And when I got pregnant, my husband had a very successful home inspection company. And then I had the very successful rehabbing company. And I was doing 15 rehabs and I had like 15 rehabs in the pipeline. And I got pregnant. So then in my mind, like as this like woman that was about to have this baby, I was freaking out. Like sure. there's just no way to have this baby. And then, and we had no passive income really at all. I mean, it was always like, you know, I don't know when I'm going to sell my house and the next house is going to pay for the next house because, you know, it gets all just jumbled up and it's just a bunch of BS. So, uh, so basically what we did is like, we stopped buying, we stopped buying facilities and what happened is that I was a hundred percent privately funded. Right. Okay. So, because I was buying rehab, so I had to be privately funded. Sure. And actually I started in the real estate investing world when there was no hard money lenders. You know I'm saying? Back in the day in like 2010, 2011, there was not money out there to be found. So I had to be able to go out and find my own money. Right. It was just really difficult. I mean, hard, and then hard money lenders, if you wanted to borrow money from like a hard money lender, like 15 and five points or Ooh, something. Oh, yeah. Steep. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. That's and, how it started. Hard money loans is three points and 12%. Not much yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was like, it was back when it was like 15, 16% and like five points. Yep. It was like crazy. But we had like, you had a huge spread back then. Yeah, so yeah, you could make it super cheap. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like the cost of capital is almost irrelevant if the deal supports it, right? Exactly. When people get so hung up on, oh, I'm paying 10% interest or whatever. It's like, well, the deal supports it, do it. But, uh, and if exactly. you got big spreads, it works, but it you need a pretty big spread to make 15 and five work, right? It's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, but so, um, but yeah, so I, so we basically, we stopped buying rehabs. We had to finish all the rehabs that we had out by that time. Like I had like Lillian and it was just like, I was essentially like delegating everything that I could off to like my team to be able to manage all that. And then when you're doing that, essentially you're just paying everybody to do all your work, you know? But um, so, uh, so we decided to just focus solely on trying to figure out passive income. And so now we were, we were privately funded. And once we would sell those houses, essentially what I did was convince my private lenders to roll them into something else, right? right. Long-term, right? right. So one year long-term. And that's basically what I did. And I told my realtor, cause I have one realtor that I've worked with my entire, like, you know, 10, 10 years that I've been doing this or whatever. And um I told him, I said, I just want to find like passive income now. We need to look for other things. And this is back in the day when like multifamily, like nobody wanted to be in multifamily. This is back in like 2013, 14, 15, when like multifamily, like what? Multifamily? No, we're not doing that. And um, so we would go out and find like, we found like multifamily buildings, and but then there was like these huge big rehabs and all oh, yeah. this kind of stuff. And I was just... And then I thought, okay, maybe I should buy some portfolio of houses and I can come in with a landlord. But then of course I bought like 20 houses and it was just like so much, I just like, I thought it was so much work. So luckily the store, a storage facility, he came across the storage facility and it was, it was about 15 minutes from my house, which was perfect. And I was like, yeah. yes, I want to go see it and had been sitting on the market for five years. And nobody had bought it. And this is back in the day when like, you know, stuff would sell the market for like five years and nobody would buy it. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. And, um, and so we went over, I went over to take a look at it. It's called big John's storage facility. And big John was uh, 88 years old and he had owned that storage facility since 1980 and probably <laughs> about, about 2000, he was like, I'm done with this thing. 
And so then you went to go look at it and it was just like this dumpy storage facility. And it's like, when I pulled up to the storage facility, right next to the gate on the side of the road, there was a huge pile of tires, at least a couple hundred tires. And then when you went into the facility, there was like tires and trash. And it was just like, it was a dumping ground. It had become a dumping ground. And he did not care at all. He didn't care. And um, so when I drove up to that facility, I was just like, oh, I love this place so much. You know, cause I'm like this rehabber that loves like all these dumpy, I'm okay with like dumping. And it was, it was like an, uh, an industrial park. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and it's just like, and he had a lot of parking. That's the thing is he had a lot of parking. So it was on three acres and it was like a long kind of long skinny building right in the middle. And then all the way around it, he had parking but essentially his parking was like, go find a spot. You know, and then people would just be like parking there. Like there was like RVs, like caddy corner and like there was big rigs. There was tow trucks, dump trucks. There was box trucks. There was RVs. There was boats. There was like a bit like when we when we bought that place, we had like 10 abandoned vehicles that had just been sitting there for like probably 10 or 15 years and never been paid. So and there honestly, the truth is, is there's places like that still to this day because this is all I buy. This is all I buy is just mismanaged facilities. And that's the, that's like one of the main, uh, main types of facility out there is a mismanaged facility. And when I say mismanaged facility, essentially what I mean is that it's just not managed properly. Right. right? So like rehabbing wise, there's not a lot of work. We had to get all these tires out and pick up the trash and we had to figure out how to kind of like organize the lanes and stuff, but it's not like rehabbing in like a house sense. It's really kind of like getting bad tenants in, getting good tenants in, and then starting to create this income. That's really what you're doing. Right. And so that's, that's basically how I found my first storage facility. And uh, we decided to name it Miss Lillian Self Storage. And from there, now we've grown and uh, we're, you know, we're buying, our goal is to buy one storage facility a month this year. And that was like, that was, that was five years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. On on the, this first deal that was on the market for five years, why did he sell to you? He just tired of it being on the market. Did you give him the price he wanted? What did that look like? No. So he had it on the market for $500,000, which is the price that it should have been mm-hmm. if it was a hundred percent full and oh. running properly. Nice. Okay. And that's how, that's like most of the storage facilities out there. They always think like it's worth what it's supposed to be worth. Of course, it's like, yeah. uh, no, you got to kind of like educate these sellers. It's like, yep. okay, in this world, I know you don't get this, but it goes off of cap rate. All right. And like, and actually a bank is not going to lend you money if you can't prove that you're not making that income. Right. And that's basically what I told Big John. I was like, look, the reason nobody's buying this facility is because you have it for $500,000 and it's not worth, it's not even worth half that. I said, the truth is that nobody is ever going to buy this thing in this. They don't have any idea what they're doing and they've got cash because you cannot go to a bank and you cannot borrow the money for this. You have to have a hard, you have to have a lender, either a hard money lender, but most, most of them aren't going to do this either, but a private lender that's like, okay, I'm with you and I'll partner with you and I'll lend you this money and we'll grow together kind of a thing. And so I told him, I said, and also another thing is that when you go to a private lender, you're paying like mostly like double, you're paying double of what the bank is going to pay you. Sure. Yep. Right. You know, so like right now it's 4% and on average I'm paying like 8% to my lenders. And um, so I explained that to them and, and that's, you know, that's one of the main reasons why I have to give you such a low ball offer. 
And so what I did is like, what I did is as we were walking around and talking, I calculated how many lanes I think I could have from the cars, right? So it's a three acre lot and he had 64 10 by 10 units. All right. And, and, and he was charging $35 a unit. And granted, this isn't a secondary market. So it's not primary. It's like not Atlanta, but like a suburb of Atlanta. It's a secondary market. Those That cap rate should be around 8 to 9%. For us, this is how it works in, in the storage world. And, and he should have been, he, like I called all the competition and all the competition for a 10 by 10 was charging like $60, $65. Nice. 10 by 10. And he was only charging $35. And, um, and also he told me he was hundred percent full. I said, are you full? He said, yeah, I'm full. I'm hundred percent full. And I said, well, how much are you making? He said, I'm making about like two grand a month. And I was like, there is no way that you could be hundred percent full on this thing with all this whole area of, we counted like 60 parking spaces. Yeah. And then on top of that, like another 60, let's say 60, 10 by 10 units. I was like, when I calculated that in my head, it was, should, it should have been around six grand a month. You know, between five and six grand a month based on like what he was charging. He was charging $35 for um, his 60 units. And then plus like he was charging like 35 or $40 for his parking is like super cheap, which is like now doubled. And um, so I started like calculating my hand. I was like, there's no way you should be getting like $2,000. Like it should be way over that. And um, so like when you look at a storage facility, you look at really just kind of like, you know, especially on a mismanaged facility, when you buy these mismanaged facilities, you're buying them as like a negative cap rate. You're buying right. like a very low cap rate. Right. And then you just look at like the opportunity and you say, okay, like what value add can I be doing? And you look at, you know, um, can you add on anywhere, right? Any parking or any um, units or to, can you increase the price? Right, something like this. And that's kind of what's kind of like, okay, the only thing I can really do is like organize this and increase the price. And um, in the end, um, in the end, what happened is I told him, I said, okay, I'm going to offer you $200,000 or 220, I think it was like 225 or whatever it was. And I said, this is really like all I can do because of what your, you know, your income is. And I'm going to have to borrow money from a private lender in order to buy this. And so this is what my offer is, you know, and it's like 225 or something. In my mind, I was thinking 250. It was like, it was a good price. I said, I'll do like 200, 225. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. No way. He was like all pissed and stuff. And so then like, I said, okay, fine. Just, you know, just let me know if you change your mind. You have like, you know, you can talk to my realtor at any time. And he called back the next day. He called the realtor the next day. And he said, okay, 250. And um, so we got it for 250. We got this thing for 250. It was making, uh, it was making around, he said it was making around $2,000 a month or so. In the end, it was probably making like $1,500. He said he was 100% full. When we got the facility, it was 100% full, full of crap. <laughs> we had to go physical, physical objects yes yep. full of everybody else's stuff we had to clean all that stuff we had to get in there and really rearrange all the parking and now like we have i think around 70 parking spaces and they're all big rigs tow trucks we're in this industrial area box trucks dump trucks we have like one company that's like a like a dump truck truck company and so they just like go out do their route and then they come in and they park their dump trucks and we have like you know tow trucks that do this as well too and they're 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 getting charged between 75 and 100 dollars a month 
All right, so think about that. 70 lanes at $75 a month. Just for the parking spot. That's Just that for the parking, just yeah. for the parking. And then we had the 65 units of 10 by 10s, which is, which is now at $65 a month, right? So that's like, that comes out to another, what, four grand a month. So we're making, I mean, we're netting anywhere, like on a, on a good month, let's say anywhere from eight to $10,000 a month. And we're hundred percent full that, and that property now it was like a negative cap rate. And now it's like a 20% cap rate or some ridiculous cap rate on this yep. thing. If you run the numbers and that was the very first deal. Now that first deal took us like eight, it, it took us like a year and a half to really figure out. Sure. I mean, we just had no idea what we're doing, you know? And, um, and now, and there's not really a lot of people like in the self-storage investing world that really even teach you anything like this. You know, it's not like multifamily where you got all these kind of people teaching and stuff. It's just not like that here. It's a very small niche. And, um, you know, we all kind of just stick together and try to help each other out and stuff. So, so that kind of just fueled my, I was like, okay, this is a really good deal. We got a really good deal on this one, you know? So then after that, I was like, I'm hooked on self-storage. And so then after that, we've been buying and buying as many as we possibly can. And what happened was I was rolling, I was finishing up those rehabs and rolling those over into storage facilities. Now in a rehab, you know, if we're doing a couple thousand, a couple hundred thousand dollar rehab. So that money is all we really have is like, you know, most lenders will say, yeah, I'll lend you a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever. And that's not a big deal. You know, so we had those that rehab money. So we've really kind of just for a while, we stuck to those little tiny, you know, we stuck to like, you know, I just picked one up. It was a hundred and 120 units. We picked it up for $275,000, right? So we've been sticking to this kind of like, you know, smaller, um, these smaller um, storage facilities. But what we did do is we started also a, a Reg D fund. Uh, so it's a 5060 Reg D fund. And that is, that is bringing us into like, you know, kind of, there's a sweet spot, honestly, there's a sweet mm -hmm. spot. And it's like a 500,000 to a $1.5 million facility. Cause you either have these like first time buyers that are like, I only have, I can only come up with 50 or a hundred thousand dollars to put down. So I can only afford, you know, so much storage facility, sure. right? And then you have like the big wigs that are like, I don't want anything less than $2 million or whatever. Yep. But there's like that sweet spot. There's like a 600,000 to like a 1.2, 1.3, where a lot of people don't want to buy those. And I find like the greatest deals for those. And so that's what we started the fund for is those types of um, those types of properties. Yeah, that's perfect. When you go in and it uh, sounds like private money on the buy side, if it's distressed, is there, do you refi out and take your investors out? Do you keep them in for the long term? How, what's the, what's the finance approach? On no, that? we refi those out. So the way it works is like, uh, like what the bank wants you to do is provide two years of profit. Well, wow, that's a, that's a lot. That's a long run. That's a long run, right? Yeah. So essentially it's going to take you like when we buy these mismanaged facilities, it takes us a year just to kind of get them up and running and then turning a profit two years is another like two years. So usually with our lenders, we're, we're, let, we're borrowing the money at least 36 months up to like, I mean, uh, you know, depends on if the owners are going to owner finance it to us as well too. So sure. we do have owners that owner finance it to us and they'll do, I mean, those, these guys are slick. I mean, they'll do up to like 15 or 10, 15 years. And that way we just pay the whole facility off with them is what we do. Yeah. A little bit simpler if you can get it. That's, that's mm -hmm. always good. 
Yeah, it was good. So what does the management look like on these units? I mean, obviously you just, it's just stuff, but there's, there's some parallels with multifamily. There's leasing, there's marketing, et cetera. What is, uh, what does management look like on, on one of your facilities? Um, that's maybe not right next to the house. Yeah. So actually all of our facilities are at least two hours away, anywhere from two to six hours away. So we're all over Georgia is kind of what we focus on. And, um, and so, but and I always tell my students too, it's like, it's okay to buy, buy them far away because essentially what happens is it makes you create them, makes you make them like automatic and systematized. And what I do is I talk about, like, I always teach, it's like, if you're going to invest in a smaller facility, all right, so this is going to be like a million dollars or less, which is really not, you know, difficult to run, honestly, it's really mm-hmm. not once you kind of get it up and running. Um, now that we know what we're doing, it just takes a couple, it just takes a couple of months to do that. Um, and then if you can make everything, you just have to make everything completely contactless. So that's kind of the word, that's like the word in the storage investing world now. It's like, oh, you have to make it contactless. We were already, we were already virtual and electronic before even COVID happened. But a lot of the storage facility owners, they were like, you know, freaking out over this time. But now everybody's pretty much contactless. I mean, you have to be, otherwise I'm going to buy you, right? And um and so contactless means like essentially there's a pro, there's a there's a software that you've used that manages your entire company and and you have a website that comes with that and then you could just go online and book your reservation you know sign your contract get your code to the gate get your code to your door and then you just go right in and do that and it's literally completely contact in fact we have not met any of our tenants in probably 3 to 4 years All right. And so like you want to like if you want to invest in self-storage, essentially you want to be like completely hands off. Right. This is not you want it to be if you're going to invest in something that's passive income, make it passive income. That's right. You know what I'm saying? You know, so like and we try to I try to prove this to my students all the time. In fact, we took we were on vacation last year. We took a seven month vacation. We did four months across the country. We did 16 national parks in 16 weeks. We went to Tampa for a month and then we also did Maine for two months. And I just was like, I'm going to show y'all that y'all can literally be any anywhere in the world and run your facilities. And that's kind of what we did last year. And that's that's really like what you should be doing completely contactless, completely automatic, completely systematized. And what that means for us is we're very vertically integrated. So we have a, um, an offer, like an off an uh, operations manager or an office manager that handles all the, like the eight to five daily work, which is really answering calls, taking, you know, talking to tenants, trying to get payments, uh, handling all the auctions that we have to do. This person handles that. And then we have like, and what we try to do personally is we create like many portfolios around, like if we find a property that's for sale, like we just picked one up in Valdosta, Georgia. And then we just closed, last month we picked one up in Valdosta. We just closed on another one in a town called Blackshear, which is a little tiny town, but it's about 45 minutes away from Valdosta. And so now we're trying to really in that area, find another two or three facilities and create like these mini portfolios. And that's how, that's kind of how we do it. So each of our facilities is anywhere from like, like 75 to 150 units. And we try to get to like maybe four or 500 units. Then we say, okay, now we have this portfolio. And then that way we can make sure it's running properly. And then we can just, if we want to sell it later, we can sell the whole thing as a little, as a little package. Yeah. I love it. And so your office manager is, is kind of centralized and 
geography is not really important. It's just kind of phone and email work, right? It's just phone and email work. That's what I said. It's completely virtual. I mean, we're now we're getting a little bit busy. And so she told us, she's like, I'm getting a little busy, you know, <laughs> we were like, fine. So we hired somebody to do like just phones for the nights and the weekends. Because right. up until now, and that's the thing with self-storage, and it does not take a lot of work. I mean, she doesn't get a lot of calls. Now, the first week of the month, she gets a lot of calls. She want to pay or whatever. I can't get into my account or something. But the rest of the time, it's kind of just a couple of calls a day. But we've been picking up facilities, uh, you know, a lot over the last couple of months. And she's like, yeah, I'm getting a little busy now. <laughs> so I said, fine, <laughs> we'll, we'll hire somebody else. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a good sign. Yeah. Do you have... Um, have you found anything crazy? I mean, you mentioned auctions, right? And my understanding is you, you got to, you know, you don't pay, you can't stay, you've got to auction people's stuff off. Uh, anything crazy you found, or is that all just TV show uh, uh, Hollywood magic? Only TV show. Yeah. It's like Storage World, what is it called? Storage Wars. I don't know, like but yeah, not, I've heard it. Yeah. yeah, it's not true. Yeah. So, right. uh, and uh, like we, I mean, we'll like, what we'll do is we'll have our auctions and you have to follow your state law. Like whatever your right. state law says is what you have to do. So we have our auctions and we're like, we have like our typical people that come to the auctions every single time. And it's always like thrift store owners and stuff like this is who comes to the auctions and we'll open up the doors and we'll be like, all right, now start your first bid. And they'll peek in. I have pictures of them like peeking in and looking and then they'll look at us and be like 25 bucks. <laughs> Whole thing. Only, I mean, rarely, I think in all of the, like the five years that we've been doing this, I, there's one facility that I think we got like maybe six or $700 for. Other than that, it's a lot of fifties and a hundred dollars coming out. Wow. Of those so yeah. I'm the only guy that keeps all my gold in my storage facility then, huh? Yeah. You want to, you want to get your tenants to pay. You yeah. do not want to go through the auction process. The auctions, auction process costs you money. Right. So the goal is try to get the tenants to pay. Yep. Now that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Well, I love it. I love the automation. I love the contact contact list. I mean, certainly all of that got accelerated in 2020 with COVID contact list became a, yes. a buzzword for a lot of different industries. Um, so tell me about your transition, I guess, to, you know, doing this, having success and then eventually coaching around it, you know, and, and, and what does that look like today um, when you're, when you're kind of walking your students through this? Well, I've been teaching and coaching people how to invest in real estate, like since the very beginning, because I'm the type of person that like, when I figure out what works, I just want to share it with everybody. Sure. This is how I am. And yep. um, so I've been teaching, I started out with a, I started out with a workshop and it was called systematizing your rehabs to scale up. Cause you know how, like if you do 15 rehabs, you got to be like systematized. No doubt. Okay? And so that's kind of what I did was a little workshop like that. And then, um, and then once I figured out, it took, I mean, I just started coaching last year, or I guess like in 2019, I started coaching uh, for storage uh, because it took us a good like couple of years to really figure out how to get it. So now we buy a facility and within um, within 90, like 60 to 90 days, we have that thing up and running and turned over. And it just took us a while to do that. And I just needed to feel comfortable with being able to share that. So essentially, like if you if you're interested in buying a storage facility, basically, this is how it looks. OK, you're going to get out there and look for a storage facility and it's going to take you if you truly make it a priority. Okay, if you're like this, like I want to buy a storage facility, this is my priority. You're going to, it's going to take you 60 to 90 days to find a storage facility. Okay. And then, um, and then it's going to take you 60 to 90 days to close it. Cause guess what? Closing a commercial property, y'all all know this is like, this, this is not an easy process. Right. All right. 
So then that's already like at least four to six months into the whole year that you have to find your first facility. So now let's say six months in, you've closed on your first facility. It's going to take you 90 days to turn that over and get it up and running and kind of get it, you know, everything all just kind of at least kind of working, you know what I'm saying? Get all these tenants to sign all their contracts and get online and all this stuff. And, um, and then after the six, after that, like a nine month period, then you're like, okay, I really need to focus on automating, truly automating this and looking for my next facility. And this is kind of what the coaching program is about. And I, this is how I see my, this is how I see all my students working that, you know, that really truly want to do this. This is really how it works. So, so it's really a year long process because I've had people come out, I want to buy like three storage facilities in a year. And I'm like, you don't understand how hard that is. That's a lot of work, right? So let's just focus on one right now. Yep. And it's a lot of work just to get out and find one storage facility, let alone three, you know? So that's kind of how it works. So it's a year, my coaching program is a year long coaching program and it's called Storage Nerds. So if you want to be a storage nerd, come hang out with us. I'm a storage nerd. <laughs> and, um, and that's all it is. It's just like, it's group coaching. Everybody gets in. I, lo I love uh, group coaching because everybody gets to like tell each other what's working and what's not working. And we do boot camps and infield training days and things like this. But um, yeah, so that's kind of how it works. I love it. Yeah, I love it. What, what do you guys look for in, in terms of demographics? You're buying a, you know, you're buying a facility. How dense does it need to be? Does it need, you know, can, can you buy stuff that's kind of way out there in the, in the sticks? Does it need to be really close? Are you looking for a certain, uh, you know, population density? What, what, what are kind of some of the markers you're looking for there? Cause it looks like you see again, as I'm a total novice when it comes to storage, I, you know, I drive through some of these tiny towns in Texas, I see little storage facilities and then I see the big corporate national guys down the street from my house. And, you know, I'm sure there's a, a whole spectrum there, but what do you look for in terms of, I guess, location for, for wanting to, you know, check the boxes for an acquisition? So the way that the storage industry works is like probably around 80% of all storage facility owners are just mom and pop shops. Wow. Okay, so just like me and you, they're just like, you know, just like family owned businesses. And the 20, other 20% are owned by like REITs and like these big box companies, you know, U-Haul, public storage or whatever, or stuff like right. this. But we all have the same type of way that we look at everything. Okay, so um, in terms of we all, we look at in the storage investing world, we look at cap rate. All right, yep. so we have the primary market, the secondary market and the tertiary markets. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you're in a city, of course, the downtown area is a primary market and you're going to get anywhere from like five to seven percent cap rate. Most of the time, uh, you know, in a bigger city, like bigger metro areas, it's a five percent. And then like once you get out and now in the in the multifamily world, because uh, I know a lot of your listeners are multifamily. Um, I'd be like five percent is like primary, six percent is secondary, and seven percent maybe is like tertiary or something like this, right? right. But in the storage investing world, it's five to seven percent is the primary, depending on which city you're looking at. So the Atlanta area obviously would be like a five, a five to six percent cap rate. But if you went into, for instance, like Augusta or Columbus, you would have probably like a five to seven in this in, in the downtown area. And then as you go out, you would have like an eight to 9% cap rate in the secondary markets. All right. And then if you go into the tertiary markets, you're 10 plus. 
And a lot of people don't understand this. A lot of people don't don't get this, but I buy all of my storage facilities. Like I'm always like I'm shooting for I'm shooting for 10 to 20 percent cap rates on the back end. Right. Or even with an income producing property, I'm looking for if I'm going to buy an income producing property, it's a 10 plus cap rate. So that means that I have to be in like a tertiary market. Right. Right. So that's kind of that's where that's where I'm at is in tertiary markets. And I like to buy, I like just, I like double digit cap rates. That's just what I like, you know, but um, I can, and the thing is that what I love is that I can spend a couple, a couple hundred thousand dollars and get a double digit cap rate and, and make in, in the next year or two, make another hundred to $150,000, you know, in the next couple of years. And it's like, it's so funny because like in the storage investing world, it's like all these huge, big hedge funds and all these REITs that are coming and buying all this stuff. And they'll spend like $2 million. And then in in three to five years, they're making like $500,000, you know, or something. And it's like, you know, why make only $500,000 on these huge, big deals when you could go into like a secondary market and make like a couple hundred thousand dollars and just barely even use, you know, half of your money. I don't understand the whole concept of that. Hey, but, you, uh, find, you find something that works, you keep doing it, right? Yeah, you find something that works, you keep doing it. Yeah. So anyway, so I focus on like million dollar or less properties. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I focus on. But all the private, when I when I have, when I find a private lender, you know, they usually only have like a couple hundred thousand dollars. So that means I have to go to a tertiary market. And then with the fund, we focus on secondary and tertiary markets, but kind of like nicer, like bigger, nicer facilities, you know, right. is what we do. But what we do is we look at the population. Essentially, there's 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 two things that you look at. You look at the population. This is how you know. This is how you should be looking at with anything, anyways. Sure. But the population, like we focus on anywhere from five thousand to fifteen thousand uh, for population, and that's because we know that within that kind of like that number, you're gonna get a good two hundred to five hundred thousand dollar facility, mm-hmm. right? Something like that. So we look at population and then what we do, and it's a, there's a very easy formula for anybody that's interested. Essentially, if you find a storage facility that you like, that you want to buy, then um, you'll do like a five mile radius, mm-hmm. right? And you'll say, okay, like what's the population within that five mile radius? And also what's the total square footage in that five mile radius? And you'll divide the total square footage by the population within that radius. And it should be between six and eight. If it's between six and eight, then it's a thumbs up. All right. If it's more or less, then it's usually like a warning sign or like a no, you know, but um, so that's kind of how we do it in the self storage. We look at population and we look at total square footage and we don't like in the self storage investing world, we don't talk about doors. Like we say, oh, we got like a hundred doors. Instead we have like, oh, we've got 15,000 square feet or 30,000 square feet. So if you want to start investing in the self storage investing world, you're going to be always talking about, Hey, how many square feet do you have? You know, that's what you'll be asking. Which really makes sense. You know, in multifamily, we always talk about doors and we say, Mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's 90,000 a door. Well, is it 600 square foot average or is it 1300 square foot average apartment? There's a radical difference there. And I kind of find it interesting that we talk about price per door in multifamily when it's, it's all over the map. We've got properties with, you know, 900 square foot averages uh, across the community and 650 square foot averages. That's a, that's a big spread when we really should be looking at counting square feet. Right. And storage facilities are considered warehouses. Right. 
That's what they're considered. So essentially in the warehouse world, and you're talking about square footage is what you're talking about. Yeah, it makes sense. That's yeah. a more accurate metric anyway. This yeah. is this is really great, Stacey. I appreciate you kind of walking me and, and the listeners through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the coaching program. you got other information. If somebody wants to kind of take the next step and learn more about how to invest in this stuff or how to do it, how to connect with you, what's a, what's a good avenue for that? Yeah. So go to stacyrosetti.com and, um, and check me out. And I'm on YouTube as well. So you can check me out there, but I have a lot of free trainings. So if you're like, Oh, I really want to just kind of educate myself more on this, then check out all the free trainings that I have um, on stacyrosetti.com. And then on top of that, uh, if you're interested in coaching, then you can just go, it's right there at storagenerds.com, but you can go right to Stacy Rosetti as well and check that out. Um, and I have, I have a course as well. You know, if anybody's like, oh, I really want to just learn this on my own, they can do that. But really just, you know, just as I said, check it out and check out, um, just check out all my free trainings because you'll get, a, I really get into, if you're really truly interested in, in learning how to invest in self-storage, I teach you how to find the properties and like how to start looking at them and how to start running bill analysis and stuff like that, which is kind of all the questions everybody in the video is like, how do I find these and how do I run bill analysis? So that's what all those free trainings are. Right, right. Excellent. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. And thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and your your story. That was very uh, helpful. You know, again, for me as a novice, I love learning uh, new things in the real estate investing world. So thank you. We'll link to the site in the show notes and folks can reach out there, but appreciate you jumping on today, Stacey. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. All righty. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.